This is the Seven Figure Agency Podcast. Discover the strategies and techniques to grow a highly successful and profitable digital marketing agency with your host, Josh Nelson. I'm so excited to have with us today Kelsey Outram from Lyft Auto Marketing. Um, Kelsey, thanks so much for being here, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Josh. So Kelsey's had explosive growth in his agency over the last, I call it like the last two years. I'll let him tell the story. Um, but if you're excited about this and you're on with us live, give me a yes or give me a dollar sign in the comments because this is going to be a great, great interview. As a matter of fact, in our entire seven-figure agency community of several hundred digital marketing agencies, Kelsey and his wife, Jen, were rated our, our fastest growing agency of the year. So um, let's say you know, congratulations to Kelsey. So before I get in and I kind of steal all your thunder, give us an overview, like kind of tell us, you know, your agency, who you serve and kind of where you guys sit in terms of number of clients and monthly recurring revenue today. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, I appreciate you ha having me on here, Josh, and, and, and great for, for this opportunity. Um, but so our, our company, Lyft Auto Repair Marketing, uh, we started, we joined Seven Figure Agency July, end of July, 2021. And so that's right around when we picked our, our, our niche and created our, our niche agency there. And then right now in current time, we're at 128K M MRR. And that's, that equates to like 72 locations nationwide with 55 owners. So it's because some owners have multiple locations that we manage for them. So good, man. Congratulations. And in that short of period of time to have that much growth is just tremendous. Um, so you're, you're obviously focused on the automotive repair industry, which is a, a great, vibrant, growing uh, niche, but not an easy niche by any stretch. Yep. Uh, I definitely want to hear about like how you chose the niche and kind of what you're selling to the industry and what you're doing to deliver great results. Um, but before we before we go there, so when you started with us back in July, where were you in the agency? Approximately how many clients? How much recurring revenue? Was it a zero start? Like kind of where were you guys at at that point? Yeah. So originally we were just a general agency. We we're called Mixed Digital Marketing. It was our general agency here in the local Austin, Texas area, um, helping local businesses. That was that's what we what we did and focused on. And then from there, we we kind of just kind of got capped out at right around twenty k. We could we could never cross that twenty k per month like. It was like a ceiling that we're just like, we'd get close and then we like lose a client and then we gain a client. Like we kind of just sort of back and forth at this dance and we just couldn't really break that barrier. Um, and then eventually, yeah, we, we found your, your coaching. I, actually, my wife found your book through a Facebook ad. She read the book, told me I needed to read the book. I read the book. We joined the coaching agency and yeah, the rest is history. So kind of from a generalist agency at about 20K and kind of bumping up there to now over 128,000 in a niche with a great growth model going. Um, if you could think back at that time, like what were like three of the big challenges you were looking to solve for that, you know, kind of being part of Seven Figure Agency helped you through? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the hardest challenges was because we were a generous agency, it was, we, it was hard to know who the next like target audience should be or the next client should be. It was like, we're supporting everybody, anyone. We can help anyone. So it'd be like, we're driving down the road. I see like a truck like that has it, it, it wrapped. And I see a phone number. Like, oh, that's someone that we could help. Or you see, get a, get a flyer in the mail. It's like, oh, that's someone we could help. So again, with reaching like the right people all the time, it, it got very draining and tiring there. And so that's what kind of created a lot of the ebbs and flows. And then at the same time, I was working, I worked corporate before. I have a finance background. So that's what I did. Um, and then we were kind of dual, like I was doing that as well as we were running our agency. So also doing two things at the same time was very difficult to be able to properly scale. So, and just a lot of, a lot of those elements that kind of went into place before uh, joining 
So it's kind of like choosing the niche, simplifying the model, getting a, like a, a more accelerated growth program in place. Um, the question everybody wants to know and kind of that comes up often is, how, how did you choose the niche? You're, you're working with auto repair shops. Like, why did you decide on that niche? And how did you, how did you land there? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I know a lot of times people usually have like a, a pretty firm foundation in that niche before you choose it. Our story is a little bit different in terms of we didn't really have a firm foundation in this niche. But there was just a lot of things based on like our personal environment that kept pointing to it. And so where both of our grandfathers, like they, they had backgrounds in, uh, in and out of automotive. They're kind of like there's a love of cars there. And then my son, uh, he's he was three or two at the time. And he has a huge garage set in his room and things like that. There's like so much car involvement. And I was like, hey, this must be something that we need to try and, and go and support. And so from there, did some research on the industry, making sure that we could be a value add more, like more so. And, and then we saw that we could. And then so we took the leap and, and just did it. Love it. So, so yeah. it was like a hypothetical niche. You had, you know, uh, background family wise in that particular space. Um, what, like, what was the approach to get the first couple of clients in the niche? Cause I know sometimes it's like, okay, we're going to try this niche, whatever it is, auto repair in your case. What was the, what worked to get your foot in the door in the industry and kind of get your first handful of case study? Yeah. I mean that, that it was hard in the, in, in the very beginning. I mean, I'm very transparent. Like it was just a lot of cold calling, cold outreach to just as many different people as possible. And there's this like, yes, through, through auto repair shops, there's always someone else that answers the phone. And, not, and I'm not expecting to hear from the owner. So then getting to that point where even meeting with the owner was really hard. And so our first few, I mean, I think it was either through Facebook or LinkedIn. This like someone, it would pick enough interest of someone where then eventually got to meet with them. They wanted to take a chance with us, took the chance. Thankfully we were to provide good and great results for them. And then slowly but surely word of mouth along with just the consistent building of the funnel is what kind of led to growing even more. So was it, was it content on Facebook or was it like DMing people? Hey, you know, it, I, you it, know, it I, was a lot of DMs, honestly. Lovely. It was just like a lot because we didn't, we were starting to develop content like based on just some of the, some of the teachings within the coaching agency and different things that we wanted to put out there. But I mean, that all takes a little bit of time to be able to develop and, and put out there. So at the same time of doing that, it was like, okay, we just, I just need to message people and just constant, just like be in front of people as often as possible. And then, I mean, try enough times. I mean, you just need a few, a few takers in the very beginning to just kind of get that start. I love it. I love it. So, so it was kind of like, you know, there's a couple ways to go about, about cold outreach, right? You can send cold emails, you can cold call, you can cold drop in, or you can, you know, prospect by chat. So it sounds like the play for you was prospect by chat. Start these conversations. What would you say you had more success on the Facebook side or on the LinkedIn side or Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so within our, our auto repair industry, a lot of the owners primarily are on Facebook. And so that's, mm -hmm. I mean, right now I, I have Facebook open right now. I'm like, not, not in the sense of like me needing to scroll through Facebook, but I know just a lot of our target audience is there. And so I make sure I'm always available on Facebook. So I, I quickly came to that realization, but actually our very first, one of our very first clients actually found us through LinkedIn. And like, I, I wasn't near, I wasn't nearly as frequent on there, but it was like, we want to be on as many different medias as possible. So I was like, okay, let's post here, post here, message people this way, whatever worked at that time. And so that's kind of, how it happened but majority now is all through facebook within our industry love it so so like cold outreach was how you got your first handful of clients i know you've done a really got good job shifting from chase 
to putting in, in content and getting clients to come to you and creating lots of great case studies and great content. What's working best for you right now in terms of landing new clients? Obviously, you've had this, this velocity of growth from you know, you know, there to 128,000 plus in monthly recurring. Uh, talk us through what's working best today. Yeah, so I think one of the best things we did in the very get-go was creating a Facebook group. That was like mm -hmm. one of the best things we could have done. And it was daunting at first. I was like, we're literally starting a Facebook group from zero. And I don't have very many mutual friends on Facebook that are owners and sort of things like that. So really, all I did was I just kept adding owners as friends on Facebook nonstop. I, I, did, I like devoted like buckets of time every single day just to add people as friends. And then also message them about about the group and then slowly but surely people joined and then i mean most of the time i had to manually invite in the very beginning like that was the only way people were going to join and gain any traction to begin with so you just have to devote that time but now like where facebook group has well over a thousand owners in it and people are joining just organically now not having to manually invite all these people that i have to be friends with it just kind of naturally occurred but the beginning it was like literally just i Click, 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 add friend, add friend, add, until like Facebook tells me, nope, you can't add any more friends today. I was like, okay, fine, I'll wait until tomorrow and I'll do the same thing all over again. That's kind of how, how the process works. Love it. So, so let's talk a little bit about like how you nurture that group. So you, you started, you know, direct messaging, adding people to a Facebook group. Like what are you doing in the group to create engagement or to kind of convert those, those people in the group to appointments and sales? Yeah, no, absolutely. And so now the, the big reason to do that was that, uh, Calling, like I quickly realized calling the shops, I wasn't reaching the owner pretty much ever. And so I was like, how do I go about reaching the owner? We, we tried the code email route as well. Never, like never hear back. And probably because it went to spam or whatever it may be. And so that's where through Facebook, I found that was where I was actually getting to connect with, with owners and they would actually respond back. And so that's like, okay, that's what we need to devote all our time and efforts there. And then within our within the group now, that's where we have regular webinars, we have podcasts and things that we post directly into there, which again, it doesn't go through a gatekeeper, it goes straight to the owner when when those notifications appear. And then we also have regular posts that just kind of in, create engaging, like just communication within other owners. Um, haven't had as many people post naturally as I was just hoping would happen, but I mean, that's that's totally fine. I mean, there, there can be as many people that communicate and, and respond in the comments that, that that totally works for me. But then from there, naturally, as we have our webinar invites, they're able to schedule strategy sessions from through there. I mean, any any descriptions, we always make sure that people are aware of that, hey, you can book a time with with myself at any time. We'll make the time to, to go over what you have going on. And if we're, if we're a good fit, perfect. And we'll work with you. If not, hopefully, at least we gave you some good, useful information to help at least better where, where you were before you, you talked with us. I love it. I love it. So you've got this group, you're putting out content. When, when it comes to like, it feels to me like you're doing a lot of, um, you know, podcast style interviews like this, like where you're interviewing other shop owners or influencers in the space. It also feels like you're creating unique content. Do you tend to keep that just in the group so that you can make that the place they go? Or do you put it in the group and YouTube and other places as well? What's your format there? Um, we, we kind of put it all over the place. I mean, we, I, we always put it most things directly there's there's some things maybe we would put only in the group because it's just like it doesn't make sense anywhere else but for the most part if there's anything coming from our business yeah we'll post it in the group we'll post it on our page we'll post it on linkedin like again the more eyes that that see it the better because we never know maybe someone just doesn't go on they don't have it and so there's just other avenues that we need to be able to reach reach out to them that way but yeah that's kind of been the the, the overall process 
Love it. Love it. So um, what's been your frequency? I'm a big, I'm a big believer that, you know, if you can just do one webinar and you can do one live interview like this per month, you can be extremely pro- prolific mm-hmm. in any niche. Like what's the frequency that you've been following as you roll out webinars, interviews and other content? Yeah. So the goal is always one a month on both. Um, my wife is pushing me to have two interviews a month. Uh, so to just always just, again, for, for overall practice as well, in terms of just being a, a better communicator, because it's the biggest thing we preach within our company. And just, I think a big thing that is helping set us apart is, is our level of communication. Just, so in order to do that, as a leader of the company, I need to make sure that I'm locked in, in terms of that, that communication ability. And so having a, one extra interview a month isn't, isn't the worst thing that, that I could be doing with my time. And so that's another goal that we're trying to just consistently increase and improve on. Love it. So one fully syndicated webinar per month, at least one interview. Um, talk to me about the interview strategy. I, I think that this is one of those plays that agencies that use it, um, just you, you get better positioning, you get access to people you might not have had access to otherwise. Sometimes you can even land clients just by having them on and interviewing them. What's been your strategy to get interviews with uh, with clients and with people in the in the industry? Yeah, so in the very beginning, I was just trying like through the the code outreach process. If I if I if I'd realized like, hey, this person's actually really happy with who they're working with, but like just where they're at and in, in their their shop ownership, maybe if they have multiple locations or they've just reached a certain, a certain level of revenue with them. I'm like, that's actually, that's a great person. Like regardless of if I could meet with them in a strategy session, that's a great person to be able to interview because that's the level of wisdom that they have that other owners would love to hear about is great. Because again, creating a podcast, was, it was daunting at first, but it's a very simple process in terms of like, we already have a webcam. Everyone's familiar with Zoom these days. As, as long as the audio can at least come up somewhat crisp, that's really all you need. And then just record the screen and, and, and kind of go from there. And so that's where we, I picked the first few. And then from there, I would honestly reach out then to the people that we had successful interviews with and be like, hey, actually, do you have any other recommendations of other people that you think would be great to interview that have successes? Again, people surround themselves with others that, that have success as well. So I figured there would be the best people to reach out to better than myself just hunting these people down because then I, it's a good leeway in terms of, hey, this person told me that you would be a great interview person. And like right away, they're like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to share my thoughts on this topic or whatever it is. And that's kind of how we created the snowball effect of having our, our interviews sort of lined up. So good. So, so you're interviewing um, people on the podcast, you're getting that into the group that warms that group up. And you've also got a reason to email out and to post on YouTube and other social channels. Um, What's your mix on the podcast? And hopefully as you're listening to this, you're like, yeah, this is a play I could use. What he said, it was relatively easy to set up. It just gets people on Zoom or some other format. Maybe it's Restream or you know, um, StreamYard or one of these others. And you, you just ask questions, right? It creates great content. Um, what's been your mix of actual owners of successful shops versus, let's say, like coaches, consultants, um, big names in the industry that are, are just have value content to add to the, to the world? Yeah, um, I say majority of our guests are always a, a shop owner right now this year i'm kind of branching out in terms of just some other maybe like an arm's length away from being a shop owner maybe there's a vendor within within uh, the auto repair industry or whatever that means so i'm just kind of dabbling with it just to see how it works so like, like for example I, I had a financial advisor that specializes in 401k and not that that is exactly fitting for like an auto repair shop owner but 
a lot of repair shop owners need to think about, okay, building, making a 401k and having match and things like that for their shop. So I thought, yeah, maybe that, that could be like arm's length reach of making sense. And so we're dabbling with those different things, but majority of the time it's a shop owner. If they're a coach uh, themselves and they're a shop owner, even better. Um, Cause that just, I mean, expands the clout and expertise that other people, when they listen can buy into and knowing that not only do they do this for themselves, they're doing this for others as again, being more service oriented, I think comes off a lot more organic as well. So those are the things we kind of look for. Love it. I think it's interesting. You said most of your interviews are, are with shop owners. And so if you're listening to this, you're like, man, you know, I've been cold calling. I've been sending emails. I can't, you know, I'm having a hard time. Kelsey had the same challenge and he, he found a workaround. He was like, Hey, I'm going to set up a Facebook group. I'm going to connect with my prospects on link on Facebook. And then I'm going to interview successful people and actually give them value, right? There's so many people that like, consultants and trainers and they can find that information but rarely can they hear from the person that's actually winning in their industry and and kind of hear what they're doing and what's working best um and then by creating that content you have affinity with success and people in the industry that are successful that leads to other people wanting to be around you that leads to consultants saying hey how do i get featured on your on your list and and so it really creates this snowball effect um so kelsey this is this is good stuff man yeah, I appreciate it. And I think a step further than that too, when, you, when you're creating these like long form, so the interviews usually last around 45 minutes to an hour. That's been like kind of the sweet spot that they've just kind of lasted. Um, but when you have all that content, you can then snip it into reels and turn it into so many different things now that, and it's rarely, I think when, when you make the, make the podcast, like for me, I was like big on, like, I do not, they're not, the audience is not there to listen to me. That's what the webinars are for. That's where I, I show the expertise on the marketing side of things. But the podcast, that's for the, the owner and their platform. This is an opportunity for them to like, they've never, most of them have never done it before. They're like, oh, this is really like, I, I'm a little bit nervous, but I'd love to be able to share a little bit of my, about my story and things. And those are the perfect people I love having because then like you can just, you just warm them up. You give them a lot of very friendly questions that are easy for them to answer. And then you can just, you can just kind of feel their confidence is kind of ride th throughout it. And people again, resonate with that. They want to be at that, at that level and being able to do that. So yeah, that's, don't, if you're scared to make a podcast, do not just, just go just take the action and do it. Love it. Love it. And, and you have the opportunity to get the attention of prospects. If you cold call them say, Hey, you want more leads for your business? They're like going to hang up with you or the, the person, Hey, you know, I see you're doing amazing things with your business. Could be a plumbing company, could be an auto shop, could be a roofing company. I'd love to have you on my my show and feature your success. Mm -hmm. Which one do you think they're more likely to take? Right? <laughs> oh, feature my success. And then when you feature them, now you get to know them a little bit. It may or may not be an immediate business opportunity, but you've got a much better chance of having a business conversation that could lead to something that play than just cold calling them and asking if they want more leads. Give me a one in the comments if you're watching this live or after the fact, if that makes sense and if that resonates. Excellent. So, I mean, the other thing I see you do that that's that's pretty cool is it feels like you're creating case studies from your active client base. Um, what's been your approach for developing those those client wins that you can parlay into more and more opportunity? Yeah. So we're really big on fault, like having first off monthly meetings are very crucial. But within those meetings, we have monthly surveys as well in terms of just gauging the the level of confidence that they kind of have in and the relationship we were, we're building with them. And so the people that are obviously leaning towards being very happy, you know, they have big wins immediately. Those are like, let's get a testimonial from them. Cause it's like, 
granted, we're not, we're not here to take a hundred percent of the credit of why their win happened, but based on some of the things that we're sharing and, and, and leading to kind of these positive results, that's where we believe that, that, that testimony will become more, more trustworthy to, to anyone else that sees it. And so we immediately grab those. They're about a minute in length, probably yeah, right, right, right around that range of just them generally talking about their experience with us and how things have been. Usually they're really happy in that moment. And then that's a great little snippet that then we kind of blast out there onto social media as well. So good. I, I think you've done a lot of things really, really well. But like when you think about the model, right, you chose the niche, auto repair. You put together a program that was over $1,000 per month that generates results. You developed a list and it was mostly a Facebook audience that you put into a Facebook group. And you did three things very consistently. And I'm sure you do a lot more than this, but at least one webinar, value-added content, at least one interview of somebody successful in your niche. And it looks like, I don't know what frequency is, but you're trying to get case studies, short videos like this where the client says, hey, I use these guys and this is the results that I'm getting that you can then syndicate and showcase that you've got proven results in the industry, which further position you as the go-to expert in your space, which is just excellent execution. And I think one of the big reasons you're able to get to this you know, 128 monthly recurring revenue so quickly, what are some of the other things outside of that maybe um, that you're that you're doing that you feel like are really working well? Yeah, so I think one amazing thing that we did was write a book. Um, I, my, it, was, it was a big it was a big dream that we had, and actually, my wife and I we started it in like November, and then she had a big goal like let's get it done by Jan end of January. And I was like, holy moly, <laughs> we're talking about we're in the middle of holidays right now, and like I don't I don't know how we're gonna accomplish this, but let, let's let's go for it, and we amazingly we did it we, were, we ended up being our own editors in terms of like we just spent nights just side by side reading a chapter together seeing what made sense what made what didn't and kind of from there then we launched the book and it, it was it was another amazing it wasn't it wasn't a thing that we're like oh yeah everyone needs to buy our book it was just like a, a huge thing that we were able to like accomplish together as as a couple and as owners and, and send it out to the industry and Hopefully, like, we've actually gotten some good some good feedback in terms of people like they read the whole thing, they thought it was super helpful, and like then they met with us through it. So yeah, it's been it's been a, a huge value out there too. Yeah. So this is drive more business, the step by step guide to internet marketing for auto repair shops. You guys did an amazing job with the branding of the of the book. I love it. The content was like really rich content. Can't help but position you to an auto shop owner like wow, Kelsey and Jen. They must they must know a thing or two about digital marketing for the auto repair industry if they publish this amazing book. So kudos on getting that done. Um, what are you like, how are you leveraging it? Is this like a lead magnet on your website? Um, are you giving it away at trade shows and events? Like what's the, what's the play beyond the position that you're, you're leveraging this with? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're giving it away at when we go, we went to our first like trade show event earlier this year. And so that was super nice. exciting to be able to go to brought, brought some books, gave those all away there. Um, we're trying to we're, we're trying to create a better marketing campaign for it, honestly, because we did it and it was like a huge sigh of relief that oh my goodness we did it's it. Done. And we, 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 we we like kind of we posted it a few times and then that's kind of it. But now we're like huddling up in terms of like how do we leverage this properly in terms of creating better campaigns around the book and getting in just more exposure to it that way in front of in front of more owners. So yeah, yeah, I think I think you know next next steps for you guys on this that's going to be big is maybe a free plus shipping funnel where you're advertising to the targeted audience where they can request a free copy, um, mailing it out to your top dream 100 prospects. Hey, I'm the author. I wanted to get this in your hands. Mm -hmm. um, using it to get speaking opportunity. I think the next big play for you guys 
is you on stage at these industry conferences talking about digital marketing and SEO and reputation management and AI. And this book will be the foot in the door that they're like, oh, well, he's the author. We should have come have him come speak to our group. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, we're hoping it leads to kind of all those moments of getting even more and more exposure because yeah like you say stage time is money time so we definitely want to be able to get get on stage one of these days and be able to share a little bit about, about our expertise in the marketing realm and how we do things so fantastic so it sounds like a lot of what you've done is is very organic right it's like you're putting out content you've built this list you've built this this group you've got this content um, that you're rolling out on a consistent basis are you doing anything from a paid search perspective, whether it's retargeting or direct advertising on Facebook to attract clients as well, or we're like, kind of like, is it all organic? Yeah. I, I mean, majority of it is all organic. We rarely spend money on, on paid ads and, and things like that on, on our end. Um, we did, we did for like just, just pockets in time last year, but just the, the ROI immediately. If like, if I'm not seeing ROI from something and that comes just from my finance background, I immediately, chop it and like, okay, let this, let's move on to, to a different thing, maybe a different avenue. But the one thing we always do that we just like a very small thing is any testimonial, we boost $1 a day for 30 days, no matter what, whenever it comes in, just boost it a dollar a day. And, and even the audience, I don't even spend that much time, like even making the, the perfect audience or anything like that. It's literally just people that have liked our business page. And then like that 1% degree, like from them kind of like to just keep it very simple, like, not think too much about it. Just it's, it's for, for just natural exposure. So that's what we do consistently with just every testimonial we get. So good. So from yeah. zero to seven figures on the brink of multiple seven figures, almost entirely organically, mm -hmm. um, just putting out great content, doing three things consistently and well. It sounds like you know the main things are the the monthly webinar, the monthly featured interview, and then constantly creating a a client into a case study that you can then roll out and a small budget behind it just to make sure everybody knows Kelsey and crew know how to generate results. And there's new people saying it every single day and they're seeing it in their newsfeed and they're like, okay, at some point I should give you guys the opportunity to earn my business. Yeah. And, and but one thing we do, we only post it on like our, our business pages. That, that's one thing I don't post, post into the group. Like I, I just didn't want the group to suddenly feel like it's pointing like me, 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 like look, look at us. Like obviously like we're, we, we post marketing tips and things like that. There's different things that we do that, sort of offhand points at us but that portion just yes it's someone else talking about our service but still i just didn't feel quite as comfortable like yes this is something we should post in the group so those i mean whoever i leave it to everyone's discretion in terms of that they're creating a group or not and, and what they do there but we've just leaned on the side of the supposed to just to business so you're very group. careful to protect the group to not feel like it's your fishing pool but exactly. it's like this is a value-added industry group for our niche where we're value-adding content, we're bringing people together. And so, you know, I think that's an important distinction. You know, Kelsey, you know, he doesn't want to feel like he's prospecting to the group and it just exists for him to get clients because quickly people will drop out of that group or stop paying as close attention. Yeah, exactly. Because you do, when it feels that way, it's going to feel fake. And even if people are in the group, they're not going to engage. They're not going to do anything in there. And then it's a useless, useless group. A big thing is we just wanted it to be a value-add for the industry and so how do we best do that and then we kind of just brainstorm on different topics and things that we can throw in there just to create um just good conversation between owners and have them connect with each other love it loads loads of takeaway here guys on how kelsey's landing clients and how he's had this accelerated growth would love to hear your takeaways in the comments specifically to 
landing clients because they've done a great job on this side of the equation. Um, I'd like to shift gears for a minute and just talk a little bit about like the program package. Like, what is it that you're selling to these auto repair shops? What like what does the program typically look like in yep. your world? So, so we offer three different programs, and so a big a big value add that we saw coming into the auto repair industry was there wasn't really an all-in-one option for mm. for people. They always have to piecemeal different different services for the different things that they have. And that's, that's totally fine. I mean, people believe like, okay, maybe you should only be an expert in this one particular thing, but we felt like we were pretty good at doing, not pretty good. We're good at, at, at doing all the different things and just, again, streamlining communication. We feel like that's a huge thing that is always a, a separator for people being happy and them being not. And so we felt like, okay, we can create a good world-class communication process that then allows them to like, Hey, you just need to meet with our team and we implement it all for you. And it is across the board. So that, that biggest program is going to be like the website, SEO, hosting, Google ads, social media, but then also we leverage go high level in terms of like we built, we built our, um, our CRM platform on top of go high level. We build a lot of customizations like around that, that then integrates with different POS systems in, in our, um, in our industry that then allowed us again to just show that, we're, we really want to make the industry better. And like, we're doing a bunch of different things, even techno technology wise to, to make it better and, and do that. So that's our biggest program. The middle one kind of takes out some of this, like the biggest one was the idea of like, this is for an absentee owner or someone that's a little bit more established and like they have multiple shops. They just kind of need to run for them. Middle one is kind of like they're in between. They're like, they're doing well, but they're not quite at the cusp of like needing everything done for them. And so that's what, that's what we kind of created the middle one for. And then the smallest one we created was just for website SEO. That's like just long term, more long term ROI play, but also like an entry point for anyone that like to try to feel us out and see if maybe we know what we're talking about or not. And like, yeah, absolutely. Let's try us out on the smallest one and we'll show you that we do know what we're doing and then we can kind of work our way up from there. So uh, price price range, like, you know, how, oh, yeah. how much? Yeah, so our, our, so we offer, we offer month to month across the board, but then also like we have a six month or 12 month, uh, like, I call it a loyalty discount in the mm. sense of, hey, if, if, if you knew you were going to be with us longer, like this is there's hundred dollars off a month on, on those different agreements. But biggest one is like twenty eight hundred, middle one is nineteen hundred, smallest ones thousand. So love it. So between a thousand and three thousand dollars per month, yeah. and you're like, hey guys, we're going to come in and, and really do what you need, right? Website SEO, pay per click, retargeting, and some marketing automation, and just bring a result, right? And in your world, it's it's more cars in the shop, more you know, more jobs. That's what they want, right? Yep, exactly. Love it, love it, love it. And I think one thing you guys do really, really well is client retention, right? And you you guys retain the clients; they stay with you long term. What are some of the? And I know Jen shared some of the secret sauce at the last event, but like, what are the, some of the things you guys are doing to keep your retention high and keep those clients with you long term? Yeah. So again, I think that I'm going to preach back to the communicate. So communication and results have to go hand in hand. I mean, we can be the best communicators, but if they're not seeing any results, it doesn't even matter. But at the same time, if we're, if we're getting great results, but they don't know like that, that's coming from them or, or any, or like that's coming from our team or anything like that, because we're not communicating that the right way, then they're going to think like, Oh, we're not really doing anything for them. So I think those two things going hand in hand have been, a game changer in terms of increasing the longevity of 
clients consistently being with us and then realizing, hey, it's like, again, not every month is going to be like, oh, you're way higher than last one. You're way higher than last one. There's, there's seasonality within auto repair. I mean, when it's the winter, people are homebodies. They're not going to be driving to the to the auto repair shop as often. So naturally, there's going to be a little bit less call volume, a little bit less cars that show up. But we're always comparing year over year, just kind of showing that consistent growth. And if for whatever reason that growth didn't happen, why? Just always answering why that, that could be a possibility and then what adjustments we're making. But through having those monthly touch points, I think that's been huge as well. Like them feeling heard and feeling like, oh, yes, they are making, they are adapting. They are making strategy changes because, again, if you're, if you're on the sidelines, you're just waiting back to hear from them. The only time you're going to hear from them is when they're pissed off and not happy about, about your service. And like, actually, oh, no, we're switching. Like, that's when you find out. So that's where we were very consistent about, hey, we know the shop owner is busy, but we're going to hunt them down to make sure that we can meet with them because we, we want that time to really make sure that what we're doing is the right thing for them. I love that. What you said there, kind of the, 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 the balance of we've got to generate the results, right? If they're spending two grand a month or three grand a month, they, they have to get results, but they also need great communication and understanding what we're bringing to the table. And um, I think that, that that's part of the reason you guys do so well. Like, like what does the, like the month, is it a monthly call? Is it a weekly call? Um, and then what does that call look like in your, in your agency? Are you just going through the reports just kind of for, for the group that's thinking, man, how do we like level up our attention? Yep. Yep. So it's a, it's a monthly call. I mean, if, if anyone wants to meet more often than a month, then we make sure that we make, because again, we're a service oriented business. We want to make sure we're serving them in any capacity that we can. Um, Again, if, if we ever felt like we were getting taken like taken advantage of, then that'd just be a different conversation. But usually, I'm fielding these the types of people before they even become clients of ours, and just making sure that the right fit and partner for us. So that's not something we've ever had to run into before. Mm. Um, but in the client meetings, there's a, they, they all have an account manager. The account managers both going over the reports and more so like hearing from them how they felt the the, the month went in terms of both. What was the revenue? What was the car count? Think how how was the performance of the shop there? Because at the end of the day, we can you can show them and you can manipulate reports to look as rosy as possible, or they can look horrible. But if they're not seeing the revenue growth, if they're not seeing what they care about, the ROI and things like that, it doesn't really matter what we're doing at the end of the day. So we need to make sure we're understanding that. And then, okay, yes, what we're doing was working. We're moving in the right path. Or no, what we did. Yes, increased calls, but maybe they were just a bunch of spam calls that came through. It was a kind of a false narrative, false number. Make sure we're kind of addressing that head on and not making excuses for what's going on, things like that. Love it. So I think that I think that's um, that's important, right? I think all of the agencies that we interview on this program that have gone to seven figures and, and are maintaining, you know, this growth level are really focused on the client result, right? Mm -hmm. It's not about vanity metrics. It's not about oh, you moved up for these keywords. It's really did we make you money right at the bottom line is did we make you money and are, are we creating good experience and do you understand how we're focused on moving you forward mm -hmm. uh, i think you guys have done a really great job with that um i, I know that that jen mentioned a little bit about like some strategic gifting and some cool things you guys do do with gifting can you talk a little bit about that yeah absolutely so when um they start with us we, we always send uh so we send knives this is what we what we sent so we got it from the giftology book um, in terms of, because we, we thought long and hard about what exactly we wanted to send right now. I, I'm sure down the road, we'll probably change what the, the onboarding gift is that we send some pretty fancy knives um, to them. It has their, has their last name branded on there. So again, it's very, very personal. Um, nice. All the gifts we send, 
never have anything with our company logo on it. We've never, never once sent anything with Lyft on it. It's only ever their shop name or their, or their last name. Because again, there's, there's just power in names and our name doesn't mean anything to them. Like, yes, we're, we're, we're in this relationship with them and, and partnering with them. I'm grateful whenever they bring up our name and refer us. But in terms of gifts, that's where we're, we're trying to focus it on them and how grateful we are for them because we are. Like we wouldn't be here without them. Um, and that's where we kind of focus our gifts on different different things. My wife is the master gift idea creator. And so she, she'd be better in knowing like how we, we, we come up with the, with the different gift ideas. But yeah, just different things. It's not even necessarily like, oh, this is an auto repair related gift. Like, no, it's like maybe things that go in your home and or things that are just things that they, they, they would really use and be of value at the same time as being like, oh, wow, that's something cool that I would have never bought for myself, but really um, effective. I love that. And hopefully that resonates, guys. Obviously, sending gifts is powerful, right? It's going to something they're not expecting. People don't usually get a gift from their digital marketing agency provider. Uh, but then making the gift about them and something that's like personal to them versus you is going to have a whole different connotation than if you sent you know, a knife with your logo emblazed on it. Right? It's different if it's their name or their logo. So I think that's a great example of, of smart, smart gifting. Um, there's a couple questions here. I just want to try and make sure we don't miss. So you were talking about your programs. Um, somebody's asking, does that include ad spend or is that just your management fee and ad spend is separate to that? Yeah. Ad spend is completely separate. So that's the one thing like we put as an asterisk so that I'm know well ahead of time. We don't, we don't charge a percentage based on the ad spend that they have as big or as low of a spend that they want. We're going to manage that and make sure that it's maximized in terms of ROI there. I think that's something you, everybody listening should just as a, as a best practice, don't include the ad spend, whether it's Facebook, local service ads, um, Google ads, don't include it in your, in your management fee, right? Let yep. them know this is our management fee and then pay the, pay the, the spend separately directly to their credit card or directly to their account. You're going to you know, just prevent yourself a lot of headache yeah. doing it that way. And financial accounting wise, it's just much cleaner. You know exactly how much you're, you're netting, um, as an organization. Yep, exactly. Yeah. We make sure that their card is what's on file for any of the ads because we don't want to be a middle person within just the ad spend correlating that, that chargeback. Yeah. Here's, here's another question that, that came in. Um, so auto repair guys are mostly busy, it seems like. Um, how do you guys convince them that they need more? Or kind of what's your approach when somebody's like, oh, we've got too much work. We don't need you. Yeah. I mean, again, if – if they're if if that's, if they're talking about like in a sales call, like oh, like we're we're plenty busy, we don't need you, then we're and I, I kind of pivot it towards time. Like, what what does your time look like to you, and what is that that value there? Can we provide value in that essence? Like, we'll we'll make sure that that you 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 keep ramping, or also, what are your goals? Are you planning on more locations eventually? Like, if that, that new location is going to take even more time and marketing behind that, and so we're a team that can help supplement that time, so it can be hands off for them. And then be able to ensure that yes, you are seeing that consistent revenue increase. So, but sometimes yeah, it doesn't. If we don't make sense, if they're really happy with their current marketer or they're already seeing great results, I tell them, amazing, you found a great partner, stay with them. I'm not even trying to convince them to switch to us because they're already happy. Like there's there's no point in switching like to to a different person because at the end of the day, that's what's most important to me is like, we're, we're, we're a service that can be of, of, of value add. We can be a real partner. They can build a relationship and trust us. If they have that built, no need to rock the boat for no reason, just because you feel like selfishly, yes, I want them as a client. Like 
No, if the, if the time comes again, where eventually down the road, they're not happy with their person, they'll reach back out to you because you made an impression on them in terms of, yeah, you, you weren't selfish and just trying to like sell, sell, sell. And like, no, you shouldn't go with them and why they're bad. Like never, ever will I recommend going about that tactic at all because it just will never come off as a, a trustworthy way that the owner will resonate with you. I could not agree more. And I think, um, to that question, if I'm talking to prospects that say they're too busy, I like that Kelsey was like, how do we pivot to maybe find the pain? If there's not a problem, there is no deal, right? Like if they don't perceive an issue, they're not going to do business, right? And you maybe be talking to the wrong people, right? If, yeah. like, if you're talking to prospects and they say, hey, I don't need any more leads and you're selling leads or I don't need more business, then all right, talk to another prospect because there's plenty of growth-minded people in your niche that have a need for what you've got to bring to the table. So you may just be talking to the wrong prospect, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's right. Like if you can pivot to what about time? What about expansion goals? Right. And if you can identify a problem, then there may be an opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that was, that was really well said. Uh, let's see. Okay. So here's another question is asking about exclusivity. Like, do you guys do exclusivity or do you like just, you work with everybody? Uh, yeah, we offer exclusivity within a certain radius around their shop because within that's what we want them to be dominant in. And so that's where we give like, an exclusivity range around their shop. And obviously when they have multiple locations, we give exclusivity around that. If their own locations are within the exclusivity, obviously that's up to the, like, they're the owner. Like, they know that that's what's happening. So we're just careful in terms of the tactics that we apply to make sure that each one is getting fed properly. Awesome. Let's see, Sean's asking how you prevent other, other marketers from joining your Facebook group and spamming. Has that been a concern? Is that a concern for you? at all no i mean if i mean we only accept auto repair shop owners if we see that they're not or they don't answer the questions that we have in the group typically i just decline it unless i know i know who the person is or i clearly see that like you click on their profile and you can see that yes they're an auto repair shop owner they just didn't answer the questions sometimes we'll make an exception and just like approve them and, and let them come in but for the most part you can tell if, if someone's being shady or not when they're joining the group and delete it some people i'm sure will sneak through but at, at this point in time, I feel like we've built enough trustworthiness with, within the group and what we bring to the table that I, I'm honestly not stressed and worried about the, the competitors. I'm just like, we're focusing on what we can control and what we can apply and add, not what others are also adding. Oh, what can we do better to stop that? Like, no, let's just, let's focus on what we can do and do it the best that we can. And the rest will take care of itself. No doubt. Yeah. And Sean, you know, to, you know, to his point, it's your group. You control the group. You control who's in, who's out. You can ban anybody on, on a dime. And so it's a great thing to create an email list and to create a Facebook group and then only bring in you know, your right prospects or people that are going to add value to the community. Um, and so that's how you prevent any shenanigans, even though it's, you know, it's rare, but there are bad actors, right? There are people that will just join groups for the sake of DMing your prospects. And so you yep. do need to keep an eye on it, but it's not, it's not, hard, to, not hard to prevent it. Mm. amazing so we've covered some great ground you know kelsey you've grown your agency from you know start to 125 plus thousand monthly recurring revenue crushing it for your clients you've talked about how you're landing clients on a consistent basis and how you position yourself as the expert you've talked about the different programs that you offer how you structure those programs you've talked about kind of retention strategies that you put in place to retain the clients at the level that you do which is phenomenal um, let's talk a little bit about operations. Kind of, you guys have grown. Like, um, how do you keep up with the volume? How do you make sure that your your quality stays strong as you continue to scale? 
yeah, that's been one of the hardest things as, as, as like our velocity of growth. And obviously then with that, we need to have a team that, that can support that velocity and ensure then again, that our clients are receiving that world-class experience because if we don't have enough people that would drop off. So, and so that, that's where we, we have a team of 11 that is amazing. Love every single one of them. Um, and they're just with, without them are definitely our company wouldn't be at where, where it is today because day in and day out, they're able to provide that consistent value for, for our clients that have just allowed us to help and trust our growth. Um, one thing that I'm very careful on is that not onboarding too many clients at mm. one time. And okay. So our rule of thumb is two per week. Now, granted, I know some people are like, well, why would you cap yourself with that? Well, that, that onboarding experience is crucial to, to this, like that life cycle of, of a client staying with you. If they have a very poor onboarding experience, already their their level of expectation is really low and then they're just they're kind of looking for all the other pain points that, that they're going to see rather than seeing like this is world class yet maybe they had one little hiccup here but, but like, they, they're providing us so much value like it's a totally different mindset that's being presented and so that's where we limit it to two per week as we grow and we improve our processes yes maybe we'll, we'll try it with three but i know like this year we tried it one time where we had like four start like four business days in a row just to see. And our, our team did amazing. They did it, but I could see the mental. They were bursting at the seams a little bit. Yeah. Right? And, like the mental exhaustion of like, okay, all the different pieces and things that go into it. So then that's where we knew, okay, two for sure is where we need to stay for now. And then as, as we consistently build better processes, get even more people, then we can talk about increasing that. I think that's smart. Like to, just to like recognize what your, what your capacity is and, and, Keep it to that. I wonder if there's ever times where um, you've you've oversold. Like, do you do you have a waiting list, or you just tell them, "Hey, we can't take you until later." Like, what's your approach to that situation? Yep. No, I mean, for us, I just look at who who the like the onboarding timing is, and it's like, okay, yep, we we have a, a slot next week because there's there's only maybe one person that's on on the on the docket for next week. But if there's two already, then we just start the next week. But I mean, right now there isn't like a, a pending waiting list. No one ever has to go out too far ahead into the future because i think yeah that, that two per week is a solid amount i mean if we ever run into a problem where we have this huge backup then that's where like we would probably look into okay maybe we need to increase the the amount of team members to be able to make sure that this waiting list isn't too long but right now it's been a solid pace our growth is very very consistent and and in the right trajectory so nothing that we need to like overly rock the boat with and there's something that you said that I, I really believe and I found to be true is that how you start the relationship really will dictate whether they're with you three months down the road, or a year down the road. And so really dialing in that onboarding process, creating a world-class experience, making sure that you've got quick wins baked in uh, really will make or break. And so wise to say, hey, let's not overdo it. Let's make sure we do well by each of the clients that come in. Um, and so that's that's really, really good stuff. Um, mm -hmm. we got a question here. They're asking, do you onboard um, – the clients yourself, or do you have an account manager's uh, team that does that? Yeah. So, so since I'm the main salesperson, I, I also show up into the kickoff meeting. So right now I'm in the process of figuring out how to like slowly peel myself out of that process too. Um, but at the same time, I want to ensure that like that transition from, Hey, you're talking to me, talking to me, talking to me to then know that now their account manager is somebody you trust, but we do have an account manager for every account now that, that they're, they're the main point of contact for that person. But then obviously they can reach out to me as well when, when, when they need 
maybe my advice or my thought process on, on a particular thing that's not out of the realm, but majority of the communication once after that kickoff point is transitioned to going with the account manager. Fantastic. So uh, really important, like as you grow and as you scale, you want to be thinking through initially you're going to sell it and you're probably going to onboard it and you're going to manage it. Um, quickly, you want to get to the place where you can sell it and then maybe onboard it, but somebody else manages it. And then eventually you just want to sell it and somebody else onboards it. And eventually like you just want someone to sell it and someone else. Manage yep. it. And that's really when you got a, a self-sustaining agency. And I think that's where you guys are headed in the not too distant mm-hmm. future. Yep. I, I, it's going to be hard because I, I do really enjoy like this, not this, not the fact that you get us like, obviously there's a high when you, when you make a sale and it's like, Oh wow. Yes. Yeah, someone else is trusting us to, to be with us. But I love building that initial relationship with so many different people. And it's like, mm. Yes, like they're similar in the sense that they're all running shops together, but they're also different. And like, so getting to be a part of that communication, like life cycle, I guess, is, is I've, I've really enjoyed. So that's going to be really hard for myself to like peel to step off. Out of, like you enjoy that part, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, then like, but it's still like, I don't want there to just not be any relationship now with, with any of our clients. Like kind of figuring out that balance. I think that that's something that we have in our roadmap to be able to figure out because there's no way that in order to grow the agency where we want it to grow that. I'll be able to always be the only salesperson forever. That's just unrealistic to think to think that way. So yeah, that, that, those are all definitely like in our in our roadmap. Probably in the nearer future than I'm expecting because we're growing pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I, I think you know we're talking about that at the next intensive. How do you remove yourself from the sales process and how do you build a sales team? And I think that's going to be right on point for for you at kind of where you're at in your in your agency. Mm, yep. Okay, so Dave wants to know in your like in your mind, how many accounts can one of your account managers handle? Ooh, that's a that's gonna kind of it's gonna depend on the account manager and and their skill set and just kind of getting a feel for them. I mean, there isn't a magic number. I mean, I know the, the number we're, we're sort of taught within seven figure agency is kind of that thirty to thirty five ballpark, but it's gonna it's just gonna be different with, within any industry you're in, within any account that you have. Just kind of this that that process of that the touch points that they're having to deal with because you don't want them to be overworked but at the same time you do not want them to this like not be doing much and pulling their thumbs right like what is it that you do exactly let's give you some more work yeah not not really having that ability to build a relationship with with them they're just like oh well i mean the only time i'm talking to them is going to be in the meeting or or what is it like there needs to be a, a bigger process around that so i mean it's kind of a on our end my end i'm still kind of consistently analyzing like what is a good sweet spot and amount for, for an account manager to do. But as long as like, I trust the report cards in terms of like the surveys that come back from, from our clients and their happiness level, because obviously if the happiness level is starting to trend the opposite direction, then maybe it's because that account manager has too many accounts. And so then that's what we'll kind of actively adjust and think about. I love that. Yeah. I think, you know, we're finding the norm somewhere between 25 and 35, but it's different based on niche. And it's different based on service offering, right? If you've got a comprehensive service like like you guys have, you know, maybe it's less. If you're just doing Facebook ads, right, then maybe it's it's a lot more, right? So it really depends. Um, and I, I like what you said there about the the happiness scorecards. Like, what what how often are you surveying your client base, and what does that look like in, inside your agency? Yeah, so it's it's once a month that we send it out to all of our clients. We get about twenty five percent back. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. like you so, wish so, you get hundred, right? Yeah, I, I wish I get them all. So, now, so we're trying to create a process now, like because we're already meeting with them no matter what, once a month, at least getting that touch point. So, 
if we don't see a survey filled out by their monthly meeting, let's fill it out together with them. Um, mm. Granted, I would rather them do it on their own because then you can get a, a truer representation of how they're feeling, not like, hey, you're with a team member, be careful about what number you're sharing in terms of your happiness level. It might seem a little bit fake, but again, at the end of the day, I'd rather have the, the data point of just how one, how things are at the shop. So we, we track their revenue, their arrow, their car count, things like that. And at the same time, okay, what what is their happiness level? What are things we can do better? I don't, I don't care if it's a 10, what can we do better for you to ensure that again, we're providing the best service that we possibly can. Wow. Through that, we've even gotten ideas of different things that we can modify or, or update within maybe our CRM or whatever it may be. So it's a very useful just to get different um, kind of communications with, with your clients. So I think that's a great that's a great tip to grow and scale in your agency. If you aren't serving in the client base, you don't know, right? Maybe you think you're doing great, but they're unhappy. A survey, even if you don't get 100%, gives you a pulse on how you're performing mm -hmm. as a business. Do you use a third-party app? Do you do that right at a high level? Like, what is the mechanism for you guys to, to manage that today? We're doing it right at a high level. So we built a, a survey within there, and then we have all our clients tagged as like a client. Mm -hmm. So then that way they filter to then send to that, that list. So good. So good. So another question I had, and I know we're, we're getting close to the end here. If you guys have questions, post them in the comments. If you're getting value, type value, because I think this has been tremendously valuable and lots of great insights here. Uh, but you're a husband and wife team. You and Jen, you guys started this, you run it together. Um, like, what are some of your secrets to thriving as a, as a, as a couple with, with you know, at least one kid? I, it's, you guys have one. We have, we have two. Two kids. Yeah. In a thriving business, like what are some of your secrets to, to making that work? Yeah, so I, I would not have it any other way. I absolutely love and adore working with my wife. Um, I mean, maybe some people are in different situations where it, it doesn't work the best for them, but I, I love it. it it's, we balance each other, each other out so well, and like she's a lot more organized. And so she's very good at creating the process and, and what that should look like and keeping that clean. For me, everything just magically in my head. And I'm just like, yeah, this is this is how it, it should flow. And it makes sense here. And I, I know and like, I just always accidentally think that people know what I'm thinking and talking about when obviously not, I didn't say it out loud. It's all in my head. So it's really good having having her to be able to balance me out in that sense. Um, but but with that, what we've She's, she's starting to work a little bit more because we've grown so quickly and like more than I've wanted, wanted to. But thankfully, I mean, the whole reason we started the business was so that way we could have a means to be able to stay home and spend as much time with our kids and our family as possible. Um, and so that's where, again, I'm, we're really strict also about, hey, outside of work hours on the weekends and things, we're we're not available. Like, I don't I don't want employees to, to be available. I don't want anyone like our, our company is just like, we're quiet outside of those hours. We are absolutely here to help you when, when it's time that we're open. So that's want to make sure there's a very good balance there. And because that was the whole reason that we started this to begin with. Love it. So you've got those, those complementary skills. Um, you said this hard shut off. And I know it's hard as the entrepreneurs in the business to say, hey, we're done. It's six o'clock at night. Um, let's go be with the kids. Let's go be with the family. Do you guys wind up talking business and, and working on things at some level or do you? you yeah, yeah. We talk about business all the time. So that, so that, so that part, that, that part is hard, but at least in terms of like any, anything related to like an email, emails is always the one thing that tends to leak. I think for most people, cause it's just so easy to access on your phone and see and like, Oh, that, that seems important. I should jump on and do that. And I, I'm even a culprit of that at times where I'd like, 
I read an email I'm like, oh, like I, I need to go take care of that or else I'm going to forget. And that's so nice. So we'll talk like before we even go and do that, we'll talk about like with each other. Like, is this something OK that we can take care of? We, but we also don't want it to lead down a path that we're constantly having to like make these one off excuses of having to work more after hours. Because, again, time is not something that you can buy back no matter what. And our children are only like, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. They're only so so small for so long. And I don't, before we, I, I can't believe they're already that old. So it's like, I don't want to be able to think like, oh, I missed these moments because I was so focused on growing our agency, thinking that that was the most important thing. It's not, we're, we're grateful that it has grown to where it is, but it's just a means to ensure that we're able to enjoy time with our family as much as we can. I love it, man. I love that perspective. I, I hold those same values to be true. And, you know, I, I love working with you, Sandia, and, and my wife, and, and, and I, I think that's great that you guys are able to pull that off and, and make it work and that you're having so much success. Um, I guess like one or two more questions as we wrap up. And if you guys have questions in the comments, post them in. Mindset-wise, um, you were you're in finance. You decided you were going to start this agency. You've blown it up to seven figures, and I have no doubt you're going to continue to grow. Um, a lot of times, people will have the same information with completely different outcomes, well, like, what's your mindset for growth and for achievement that, that you think helps you accomplish what you have? Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I've started doing, so I don't know if you guys have heard of Miracle Morning. Um, mm. it's, it, it's, a, it's a process where you spend some time meditating, spend some time reading, exercising, writing a journal, just different, different aspects. And so I, I started doing that. And I think it's been at least a year now where I've just like, insured every morning unless i'm like deathly sick and i know i need to sleep like that that's where i make sure i devote this certain amount sometimes it's less time than others if maybe i woke up a little later or what but i devote this time in the morning to ensure that i get all my ducks in a row mentally because that i was never a big believer on, on like the mental side of things i always thought like oh yeah that's i i'm fine like i'm, I'm happy I'm, I'm, I'm like i don't need this like like self-help books i thought was all like a, a, a hooky thing i was like you don't need to do that but now all i do is like i read self-help books i do these like these things mentally and it has helped so much in terms of just like setting up my day ensuring that i can put our company our family everything in the best possible position for success that that we can and so as i stick to a rhythm and, and writing out goals has been game changer in terms of just we because we keep track of our goals we do before before the new year we we like we get a babysitter for the whole day and we go somewhere my wife and i and we make goals and plans for the whole coming year what both business personal for our kids what we everything we, we lay it all out there we write them all down and then each month we review them each quarter we review them and make adjustments if if we need to so yeah very big on doing all that stuff powerful love it love it i think really you're you're your daily routines and like your daily conditioning really has a huge impact on your productivity and what you can accomplish. And so I'm glad that you said that. And that's part of what you do. And you're committed to that process, which starts your day right and gets you on the right track and keeps you taking action and being in a resourceful state. Um, in Facebook comments where we have uh, win the first hour of the day and you win the day. And obviously it seems like that's playing yeah. out to be true uh, for you, Kelsey. So, Amazing, amazing stuff. Great insights. Last question as we as we start to wrap up here is if you had one piece of wisdom for that other agency owner that's listening and it's like, you know, stuck wherever they are. Maybe it's at the 20 grand level like you were at one point or maybe they're like 50 or 60 or maybe they're just getting started. What would you say to that agency owner you know, as a piece of wisdom to, to kind of help move them forward? 
Well, I mean, not to shamelessly plug your coaching agency, but I absolutely, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> absolutely sign up for seven figure agency if, if, if you're on the fence on that. But other other things to to definitely do is just take action on like if, if you're if you're feeling like that maybe that should be something I should try, just do it. Like again, just don't hesitate and take take advantage, take action at least for a month time frame, and then analyze what the value of that time spent was. If you're not getting a valuable ROI in your opinion from it, pivot and do something else. Like I guess we quickly found that from from cold calling. We were we did we did cold calling for like a month. And there were just no, we weren't getting anywhere. We weren't even getting to the point of getting to meet with people. If we did, they're like, why am I even here? And so that, that, that that's where like we knew, okay, we need to pivot, do something different. So again, you won't find those things out without trying and then doing different things, but don't try a hundred things at one time. Just pick a thing, do it, analyze that. If it works, keep it going. If not, pivot, do, do different things. So, yeah. So good. Such a great piece of wisdom to wrap up on. Guys, be quick to, to implement, right? Kelsey and all the other members that have gone to multiple seven figures and seven figures quickly, they take action, right? They take action really, really quickly. But then the second part of that that you just said, I think is really, really powerful is you've got to look at the feedback, right? Take massive action and then look at the feedback loop and say like, is this working or is it not? And if it's not, let's dump it and let's try something else. And let's be quick to implement it and then look and see, is it working? If it's working, let's double down on that and just keep taking massive action until you get where you want which in Kelsey's case is seven figures. And I have no doubt multiple seven figures and whatever Kelsey wants to create the money, the freedom and the impact that he wants in his life and his family. Uh, Kelsey, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Congratulations on your growth and success. Uh, guys, be sure to tag Kelsey, find him on Facebook. Thank him for sharing his wisdom. Congratulate him for his abundance mindset and anything you want to say as we wrap up here today, Kelsey. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for for allowing me to be on here and share a little bit about our story. Feel free. Anyone, if this was, a, even if it wasn't a value add, but you at least want to reach out to me and talk to me, feel free to reach out. Obviously, like I mentioned, I'm on Facebook all the time because that's where a lot of our, um, our industry is. So feel free to add me, message me on there and I'll do my best to be able to help you out. Great stuff. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for watching. Kelsey, congratulations. And we'll all see right. you guys on a future episode of the Seven Figure Agency podcast.